The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And uh, it's time now for... Me to shut that up, that's for sure. But your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Okay, now we got everything shut down. Anyway, uh, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and it's time for a place for veterans. And our host is Doctor DDS and MD Don Moeller from Columbus, Georgia, and. Uh, we're glad to have Don on the line, and he's got a very interesting uh, subject we're going to talk about with PTSD. But before, like with all of our veteran shows, we start out with a moment of silent prayer. And uh, particularly as it is getting cold and colder, keep these people in mind that are spend the nights out in the elements. And I just, I hurt for them. Night before last, when it was pouring down rain and cold, and um, we got to take care of these folks, and any way that we can. If you can afford to buy plastic drop cloths, you'd be amazed how they help uh, keep you warm and keep you dry. And uh, anything that you can do to help those that are out in the elements, and it's certainly a shame if it's a veteran be it a man or a woman, or their families. So with that, let's have a moment of silent prayer, and then we'll be back with another little treat that we do. Be right back. Just imagine being cold and hungry and wet. God, please help those that need your helping hand now and that are on the street, our veterans and those that haven't served. Anyone that's out in the elements, we ask that you comfort them in whatever way it is possible. With that being said, as a veteran show, and we have a lot of veterans that tune in to our different shows, and uh, for instance, this show, and uh, our Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and during the week we have other veterans on. But we also like to get our hearts to pumping. Man. Oh, man! He can hang! He can hang! Young man! Young man! He can hang! He can hang! Feels good! Feels good! So good! So good! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! 
We all love those cadence calls, the Jodies. And there we go. So, good morning, Don. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great, uh, 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 Dave, especially reminding me and flashing back to the early mornings with the cadence calls. <laughs> I got your head straight, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I always looked at the cadence calls like I was infantry, and uh, so, you know, you always had that last half mile or whatever it was, you know, and uh, maybe you'd run five already and you had that last half mile to go and and your uh, platoon sergeant or your first lieutenant, your platoon lieutenant would start up a cadence call and somehow or the other that cadence call got you through that last half mile. And everybody, you know, you, you might have been sweating or drooling or whatever you were doing after the after a force march or a double time and so forth but you got that cadence call going and by the time you got to your stopping point everybody had a smile on their face we'd made it and right. uh, that was always yeah, the good part yeah dave you, you brought up i mean you couldn't have started off with a better better statement military guys veterans and our first responders we're, we're this is not derogatory we're pack animals and we we want to do what's best for the other members of the pack and it's a culture and, and we're going to talk about this morning a couple important things and one of them is your worldview and regardless of what you think. Don, let me interrupt you for one second, yeah. or more than one second. But the people that are listening, whether it's right now or you're listening to this on a podcast, go get you a pen and paper so you can write down, take notes. Uh, I always forget that, but it's important because I can guarantee you that Don's going to say something that you want to write down. And if you don't have it at hand... You, you've missed it. So with that, back to you, Don. I'm sorry. Uh, that's fine, Dave. You, we're talking about frameworks and worldviews. And when you get stuck in the world of PTSD or anxiety and depression, which is kind of the brother and sister of PTSD, you have to realize that you, your culture, just like the cadence calls, your culture uh, is different than the rest of the world. And you do have a worldview, and it's been shaped by your experiences in life. And there's just no way you can crawl out of that worldview. You can't, you just can't get out of it. And the next thing you need to know is that your worldview is based from cultural things that you've been exposed to. And there's no, <laughs> There's no way to convince somebody that they have an unseen culture until you get deployed to another country. And the further you go from the uh, your culture, like to Europe, well, they're they're kind of similar to ours, but they're different. But then when you move to the Eastern cultures, they're they're very much different, and how they treat certain. Uh, things in their culture that, that we, we just don't think that way. And so the f- step one 
is to realize if you've got PTSD, anxiety, depression, you're in a different world when it comes to getting healed than the majority of people. And the reason I say that is that combat PTSD, and that includes our, our first responders. That's combat PT, PTSD. It, you get up in the morning and you just wait for it to hit. And it's not if, it's just simply when. And that does a lot more, more to, your, to your mental health or to your mental health than those unfortunate people that have a, a, one, a single event like a car accident that, that they're involved in. It's kind of earth-shaking for them. So what you have to know is that war, when you participate in war, it's, it's viewed culturally. And then from a historical sense, early man had to engage in wars, and their, their way of addressing that, we're not going to beat it to death here, but you went back to your tribe and they knew who you were. And the tribe shared in the burdens that the warriors underwent, including rehabilitation for having to take human lives to defend your culture and your tribe. And so you have to understand that PTSD that results from being a soldier and a first responder is not going to be similar to those people who have acquired PTSD through single events or very limited events. You have to understand that in the old cultures, uh, and I call them old, not primitive. There's no evidence of mankind ever having a primitive culture. But in those cultures... The tribes, the families, your family, they were, through, through tribal um, and cultural events, you, they took on the burden of what you had to do. So you did not go back to a strange culture. Vietnam veterans came back to a culture of, you know, disdain, and the media kind of worked it, worked it up. Regardless of your political opinion for that war, on the individual level, when when the soldiers came back, they, they had to bear that burden by themselves. There was no community to help them uh, develop, to progress and and get back in uh, to, to that social situation. And so the first step of healing with PTSD begins with the acknowledgement that you have a completely different or a very intense section of your worldview that you've experienced. Now, we have to understand something about culture. And just like the cadence call that you played, Dave, I don't know too many non-military organizations get up and run and sing and do the, the hoo-ah calls. That's just, just one thing that, that makes the, our culture different. And in order to to move along in in your culture, you have to realize some certain things. And if you don't look at these signposts and note them, your healing is is going to be very difficult. What do you think, Dave? Do you think we're on the right course here? Oh, absolutely. And you know the 
I, I was thinking uh, about one of the biggest difference between the person with PTSD that, you know, it's caused by a traumatic wreck or whatever, but that's that's over with tomorrow, okay? And I'm not saying that the, the thoughts and the memories won't go away tomorrow. I'm just saying it's over tomorrow. But a first responder or a soldier or someone in the military can have, you know, they can, you can have a firefight, you can lose a buddy, you can see a traumatic accident, you can wish you'd gotten them to the hospital in time or whatever the case might be. But the biggest difference in in what I'm trying to stress and say is that, okay, you go to bed with that, but you wake up the next morning facing the, I don't know what's going to happen, but i got to face it. Look at the cop. My God, you know, you don't know what a cop's going to face at night or when before he goes to bed or she. And I don't ever want to leave out the women because they're, they're, they're right with us. So my point being is that you may have PTSD. I, I would almost call it civilian PTSD. And anything else... You're waking up the next morning and not knowing what you're fixing to face. Yeah, Dave, and that's and that's a we'll call it a gut response. Uh, what happens? There's a difference between having the gut response that comes with PTSD, and, and here's the problem: you can have PTSD and not admit it and just exist with it. Well. That's what the cadence call says. Press on. Finish the job. Finish the mission. But the problem is you take that attitude after you get out of the military or retire from public services as first responder. You take that and you start to see a deterioration of your physical condition, of your behavioral condition, and of your social interactions. So that's the second signpost. That when you're in your culture of the military and the police, firemen, that's a hoo-ah, get it done, adapt and overcome. But when you get back into your civilian worldview, your culture with the, with your friends, you have to watch for the signposts of deterioration, relationships with your family, your wife, your employer. And these these things are critical, and you don't notice that they're happening unless you look for these signposts. And that's what we kind of want to cover today. What, what's going on? And mental illness affects the entire body. It is not limited to that area above your shoulders. It affects your entire being, the way you move through your life. And it, and it's a product if you're stuck in the military cultural worldview you tend to keep the who I attitude and that is counterproductive to healing when you have PTSD you got to understand when you hear doctors talking you go to medical school and they're talking about pathology well there's a slide on the screen and the professor's talking and he's got a microphone and you're taking notes and that's real academic uh PTSD isn't an academic thing. It's not just, hey, look at, let's describe what, what happens to the folks that have it. The P- 
people that have it, it's a gut reaction. And it's a daily gut reaction that's, that's taking place. Now, these, these arguments that you might have with someone in academia, you know, how about your car show, Dave, where you go, what's the best automobile to own? Uh, maybe for some of the listeners, what's the best opera ever written? But basically, the things that we're talking about, and, in, and now we're going to get into moral injuries, uh, how you feel about the best opera or best car, these are not heart-affecting issues. It's fun to get root for your football team or maybe even your golf favorite golfer. But just ask yourself, do you actually get real anger? Do you feel guilty if your team loses? Do you experience shame? Do you experience grief or sorrow? And then, like... If your team doesn't win or your favorite automobile breaks down, do you suffer shame and distrust or do you feel betrayal? And so we're talking about deep, deep issues. Am I on the right track with this, Dave? I would think so. It it all sounds like it's uh, all part of the puzzle. It, it is. And I want to now transition into what we call moral injuries and the spiritual aspects of uh, PTSD. Now, yes, I did go to online seminary, so do I have a little tiny bit of general knowledge more than the average guy? Most likely. But I'm also a scientist and do research. And when you mention moral or spiritual injury, there's a certain segment of the population that's got their own impression of a spiritual or moral injury. And let's say maybe 40% of them go, you can leave me out of this. It's, I look at, I call it the large, looming, major barrier of resistance. And I'm going to address that in a few minutes of t- and take a few minutes. And I'm going to, I'm going to, help you work through that if you desire. So, some quote, spirituality is not scientific. A lot of people think, yeah, I, I just, that's true. Another one is spirituality cannot be measured, or there are no scientific papers on religion, spirituality, and health. You know, I, that's common. I, as a matter of fact, years ago, I thought there was one or two pap- papers written on that. There's more more like 3,000. There's no statistical analysis of spirituality and religion and health effects. And or religion and spirituality belong inside a church. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that those are completely erroneous uh, implications of what you think the science says. Now, we have to understand in a minute and I'm not going to beat this to death like when I used to teach college biology, that there are thousands of analytical papers on the subject of spirituality, moral injury, and effects on health. Now, we, we got through COVID, and it, it was kind of an... It, it let the public see what medical science and science is, and the further you wanted to dig into it, the more interesting it became. But... Science has to be understood as a process by which we examine reality. 
Now, say that again. Science is a process by which we examine reality. And one of the big tools that we use to examine reality in any branch of science is statistics. Statistics is a very sophisticated method which we use to determine if there is a difference between two models or hypotheses. Got to repeat that. It's a an advanced method which you use to determine if there is actually a difference in two models. Statistics cannot go to a laboratory and actually mix the chemicals. If you have a process, you model it, and statistics will tell you whether or not one model is superior to the other. Now, scientific models have a predictive capability. That's fact number two. If your model has no predictive capability, it is not good science. Now, the next thing you have to understand, that scientific modeling is used as a process to predict outcomes of a certain, we'll call it, population of conditions. Now, where am I going with this? If you want to examine whether or not spirituality and moral injury are legitimate players on the field of treating PTSD, you can use the exact same statistical processes as any scientist evaluating any other uh, problem or hypothesis. So go ahead and say, okay, I'll grant you that. If you can show that, that spirituality and moral injury are legitimate uh, processes for either the maintenance or creation of a portion of PTSD, then you have to buy off on that. Is that making sense, Dave? Only because <laughs> uh, my degree is in economics and I took a lot of statistics. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people you're you're uh, shooting over their heads, quite frankly. And if you mention the okay. bell curve, I don't know that uh, many people, I don't know how many of our audience are aware of the bell curve and how it plays a part of statistics. Well, good, good. I'll address that. Here's what we say, and, and this is statistics basically is a man on the street. If you flip a coin and a guy bets you head or tails, and he flips it, and it's tails. Okay, you pay him his 10 cents. He says, I'll flip it again, and it's tails again. You still don't worry about it too much. The third time he flips tails, you're starting to get the idea. You're starting to think, this might be rigged. By the fourth time he does it, what's the probability of throwing four tails in a row? Wait a minute. Well, the, when he does it the fifth time, you have reached what the scientists call a p-value. And what that is, is what's the probability of this character on the street that's betting and you're losing money of throwing five heads in a row? Well, that's statistics. So if you say, okay, you try moral and spiritual treatments, and they work every other time you go well you know that's that could be chance well what if you say when you in, undergo spiritual and moral injury 
and you include that in your treatment plan for PTSD, and I say it's effective, it's as effective as if what's the probability of a guy flipping a coin and getting five heads in a row? You go, wait a minute. There's something to that. There's something more to it. And that's the statement I'm making, that statistics says, hey, your research for your whatever you're trying to predict is no better than a flip of the coin. That's not science. Science is when you can, most good publications and research only publish articles that have the validity of legitimacy of flipping five coins in a row and getting all heads. You go, that's not an accident. Now, Dave, did that explain it a little better? Yes, sir. I understand. Okay. And, and uh, you know, we have a... A problem with uh, understanding at times, but uh, no, that that was very good, Don. Okay, so let's say, for example, you wanted to uh, find out whether or not moral injury and spirituality were legitimate. So what you would do, you would use the same standards for that that a psychologist would use to validate one of their their own treatment plans. So let's do that. So when you go to a psychologist or in the VA or wherever for your PTSD, he's going to use several therapies. One might be prolonged exposure, maybe virtual reality therapy, maybe cognitive behavioral therapy, and so on. Those therapies have been measured by psychologists, and how do they know if they're effective? Well, they do statistical modeling, and they say, we treated so many patients with this therapy, and it had this success, and we treated, compared it with some therapies that had a different success. Well, then they can compare those therapies, and they can compare with no therapies. So, Dave, what do you think they found when they put... uh, spirituality and moral injury to the statistical test that they uh, they had a probable they were a portion of PTSD let me put it that way yes that's right not only were they a portion of PTSD and we're not going to get into statistics here we're just about done with this but what we are saying is that when you parse out and look at the people with PTSD and moral and spiritual injuries, they overlap. Those symptoms can overlap. Now we have to look at uh, exactly uh, what, where we're going with this. And this gentleman, he's a researcher, his name is Harold G. Coney, K-O-E-N-I-G, and he wrote a book, very recent, 2020. The book is Religion and Recovery from PTSD. This gentleman is a highly trained psychiatrist, a research psychiatrist, and he's at Duke University. And I'll repeat it again, Religion and Recovery from PTSD by Harold G. Coney, K-O-E-N-I-G-M-D, I think you can get that on Amazon. I have nothing to do with, I'm not invested. I, 
a medical conference, you say, I have no interest or investment in whether or not book sells or not. But what I'm saying is, spiritually integrated cognitive processing therapy can be compared to a similar, or I mean a secular cognitive processing therapy. So what we're doing, here's what happens. There are some quotes that we need to read, and this is not meant to be distressing, but it is meant to kind of give our listeners an idea of how effective psychological counseling is. I'm going to quote, and this is only be under a minute. Studies show that many of those receiving treatment with either psychotherapy or medication fail to achieve a loss of diagnosis or remission of symptoms, and many drop out of the treatment. Residual symptoms often are quite severe and remain the norm, even for those receiving first-line psychotherapy such as cognitive processing therapy, et cetera, and medications. Now, what did Dr. Koenig say? Therefore, there is plenty of room for improving treatment response. Now, we're going to just review what we said. Statistically, if you want to look at the secular therapies that exclude cognitive, I mean, correction, that include that exclude moral injury and spiritual type therapies there's plenty of room for improvement okay that does not mean that you should be depressed and say i'm not going to waste my time with counseling that is not what i'm saying absolutely not what i'm saying now is that making sense dave yeah let's uh let everybody think about that for a minute and we'll take our first break and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Moeller right after a couple of messages. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with A Veteran's Place, and uh, it's a very interesting discussion, and I I think that, um, you know, it has to be addressed. Morals and and also the religious aspect and and the therapy that you were talking about with the psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever, Don. But I, I there's a, there's a lot of um, therapy in talking with fellow veterans, and uh, I don't want to overlook that by any means because uh, been there, done that, and. If you're talking to someone that's been there and done that, then you're venting to someone that knows what you're talking about. 
and uh, they can be as good, if not more helpful, than the professional that has read about it in the book. Right, Dave. And and we discussed that, and, and I want to reiterate it, or say it again. There's, we'll call it negative view and positive view. If you are a veteran and you need to talk to another veteran or veteran support group, that's fantastic because that is, we'll call it the tribe. You're going back to the tribe. You're not judged by other members of the tribe, and that's very healthy. The key thing is don't go to the pity party where people are crying in their beer. you gotta, you got to get out of that. So if you have upbeat veterans that are progressing on post-PTSD growth, you want to associate with those people. That is very helpful. Remember, the tribe was upbeat. The tribe was welcoming. So if there are negative people in your group, uh, you have to avoid them because they're going to bring you down. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, Dave. Well, you know, one of the best is uh, here in, in Georgia uh, was a medic like yourself and uh, got in a situation and then decided to uh, become a chaplain. And uh, he, uh, he is actually the one that started the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And... You know, it's any veteran can talk to him, and he's been there. He knows what it's like to be under fire and uh, be in a, you know, a bad situation, to say the least. And this is something that, you know, friends that came back from Nam, uh, you know, you just can't imagine what some of the stories were. And I'm sure they'll be the same uh, coming back from Iraq and uh, Kuwait. Uh, we haven't heard okay. as many, but... That's true, Dave. And when you look at the statistics, we'll just ballpark it on, like, five statistics. Between 50 and 60% of these guys they interviewed out of about a 1,000 guys in an infantry unit and about a 1,000 Marines, it showed that between 50 and 60% had to take the life of an enemy combatant. Then about 14 to 30 percent were uh, also responsible for the death of a non-combatant. And 50 to 60 percent had to handle human remains. 70 to 80 percent saw women or children injured. And a quarter of them, a quarter of them saw fellow combatants shot or injured. So mm. if you don't think as a veteran in combat that you're eligible to have a moral injury or spiritual injury, you need to think again. Uh, and that they found that 80% of the, uh, in this group of the active duty uh, with PTSD had at least one symptom of a moral injury of a high severity. Half of them, half of these, this group with, that had PTSD had uh, four or more serious symptoms on the moral injury, we'll call it, survey. So you're, you're right, Dave. When you look at a veteran, and especially one if he has PTSD, he, he is most likely, better than even odds, 
have experienced a horrible moral injury. And, you know, unless you've been there, done that, you, you really can't grasp it, you know, if, if that makes sense. Uh, and you can't talk about it making any kind of sense with somebody that has gone through some of the things that our veterans have gone through, REMTs, but primarily our veterans. And, you know, the the apprehension of going in-country, you have no clue what you're about to face. As a combat medic, did you ever think as before you got there that you would see some of the things that you saw? No, uh, I really didn't, Dave. And they're, they're, they're really uh, incomprehensible. And, and, and you need to understand that the folks, I mean, when we were in Vietnam, some of the kids were like 20, 19, 20-year-old. I'll call them kids. They were heroes. But it, 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 it's, it was unbelievable. You just couldn't imagine that, especially since we grew up here in America in Disney World. And, 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 you know, when you're talking about combat PTSD, it's necessary to state that combat PTSD, especially if it becomes chronic, only resolves in 25 to 33% of those folks that have it. Now, Dr. Koenig makes this statement, there's a giant hole in our treatment. We've proven that statistically, and now, and it just happens to now be a fact. There's plenty of room for adding moral injury into the treatment plan. Now, when you go in and talk to a chaplain, if he's if he wants to take you on as a we'll call him just not a patient, a client, you have to make sure that he's had training in PTSD, and that's critical. Because if they haven't, I don't know that they're going to help you solve the problem. But here's the important thing to know, that uh, when you go in for care, there are spiritual aspects of moral injury, and then there are, let's say, physical and mental aspects of PTSD. But what you need to understand, no one in the treatment sector is going to force a religious opinion upon you. I need to, I need to say that again. They're not going to force a religious opinion upon you that is already not there. And what I mean by that is if you were brought up in a particular faith, they are going to, we'll use the word leverage your existing faith and show you how you can use that to help resolve your moral injury problems. They are not going to take you in front of a thousand-member congregation and do weird religious acts while you're standing there by yourself. Forget that. That's not going to happen. The chaplain or minister, your own minister, is going to tell you, obviously it will be of your own faith, but if you talk to a generic chaplain, we'll call him, he is going to use those tenets of your faith your religious scriptures that you are already familiar with to show you how that will help resolve that moral dilemma. Does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, certainly. 
It does. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. No, it. Yes, it it makes a lot of sense. Yes, and so what happens? Some of the reasons that people do not want to go to a chaplain, it is not going to be a tent evangelistic service. I can guarantee you that. That that what they're going to do is you have, and, and that's why we're going to kind of tie it together, you already have an existing worldview. You have a cultural worldview. You have also the military portion of your worldview. What they're going to do, they're going to take the tenets of your existing faith uh, that you have and give you a set of, of structural entities, we'll call them support systems, to use those existing things that you have that you're familiar with to ramp them up and help you with that moral injuries. So, but you have to understand that the statistics show that moral injury and PTSD are closely related and there's some overlap in what they call symptom cluster and especially of negative emotions. However, the experts, the trauma experts agree that each condition, moral injury, spiritual injury, and PTSD are separate syndromes, okay? And this is most important and this is what the statistics are showing that the treatment of moral injury, the treatment of moral injury is different from the current pharmacological and psychological therapies. So you've got two things. You know, when you get pneumonia, uh, and let's say you're a smoker, and it's a viral pneumonia, well, why do the doctors give you antibiotics? You say, well, antibiotics don't treat viral things. Well, what they do the reason they're giving you an antibiotic is that the viral infection allows the bacteria to, to take over where they normally would be held in check. So PTSD and moral injury are similar. You've got a viral infect lung infection. You've got a bacterial lung infection, and they feed off each other. They're, oh, they're not the same cause but they're part of the same problem. Is that making sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, more and more it makes sense. And, you know, it's taken how many years to recognize some of these things, some of these facts? A A long time, Dave. And I'm sure... Learning hasn't stopped. They're they're continuing to, uh, you know, uh, there was a time, I believe, I, I'm not an expert on it, but that uh, they would, uh, or the doctors, or the, be they medical doctors, or be they psychiatrists or psychologists, would, uh, you know, uh, not only poo-poo the moral aspect, but the spiritual aspect, and that... Uh, Oh well, you know, he's a good Christian, but and uh, they didn't recognize the importance of spiritual help. That you, you hit the nail on the head again. And you know, here's something that we need need to say 
that there are also things in PTSD. They are factors which interfere with the recovery uh, of PTSD. And just like the recovery from your bacterial viral lung infection, they work hand in hand. And moral injury and spiritual injuries are, are associated with an increased risk of suicide. And moral injury is associated with an enormous amount of, of personal suffering. It cannot be overlooked like it's just a trivial problem uh, or a rare problem. Uh, that is one of the reasons that moral injury may be the only exit out of the, the low or unfortunately low uh, yield of successful treatment schedules. Let me rephrase that. You're using the wrong antibiotic on all the infections, okay? Statistics now is showing we would love for uh, the, the veterans and first responders to get 100% cure, we'll call it a cure, it's tough in psychology, for PTSD and all the things that branch from that. But the fact is that there have been decades of research and the, and the successful, we'll call them outcome measures, of psychological and therapy and medications are not where we really want them to be. And Dr. Koenig, and I quoted him, that there's plenty of room for moral injury therapy and spiritual therapy. And it, it, it should be allowed something more than lip service. Now, if, for example, I'm doing surgery, and as a maxillofacial surgeon, I'm wiring a jaw together or putting screws in it, and a guy goes, you know, Dr. Moeller, the people that we prayed for and not prayed for they healed equally well. As a matter of fact, that there was a study at Harvard years ago that they prayed, I believe it was in the heart unit, prayed for people, and they had a, a group they didn't pray for. Well, that was touted as proof of that, that religious spirituality have no place in medicine. That was ancient literature. The work done by Dr. Koenig it, it puts that to rest. Uh, you can go on YouTube and look Dr. Koenig up and see some of his some of his uh, videos. They're excellent. But and I have to say, I was guilty that I came back from Vietnam, and that was the study that I kind of quoted was the one at Harvard where they had so many hundred people praying for so many hundred patients versus not praying. They said we didn't see any difference. Well, that you're 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 not setting the experiment up right. The correct, the correct way to do it is you compare psychological secular therapy with psychological therapy and moral injury therapy, and there is a significant difference. And I want the, the listeners to establish this as a fact for themselves. I'm not selling anything. God does not give me a commission for people that ended up going to church as a result of the broadcast. Do your own research. I would recommend that you get one of his books. Uh, it's well worth it and, and to read it in detail. But Dave, what you've mentioned about the spiritual effects, we're going to move in in a minute. I want to get your thoughts on this about 
using the Bible, and does the Bible talk about such uh, suffering as that we're talking about today? Not only does, in my opinion, does it talk about it, but it also answers it. And, um, you know, it's amazing uh, from my standpoint, my opinion and my beliefs, uh, there is an answer to all of our questions. And it's just a matter of uh, reading the right verse and uh, being in the right chapter. Yes, and 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 when I was in seminary, I was also doing research uh, on PTSD, and I was we were studying the Book of Job, and it hit me in Job chapter seven, and I'm not going to even read it. I want the the listeners to read it. Job chapter seven, I think verse eleven. Read about how he was on his bed with nightmares and he couldn't sleep. Well, what happened to Job? Well, first of all, if you're not familiar with it, Job had pretty much everything taken from his God allowed his animals to be killed, his kids to be killed, his wife. She was a nag, but she survived. Imagine that. So, at any rate, then not only that, Job had all these other problems hitting him at the same time. Not only that, Job thought, well, I'll talk to the worldly philosophers. And what did the worldly philosophers suggest? Job, you know, curse God and die. Forget it. Write it off. Give up. Admit that you're guilty. Well, Job refused to do that. He said, I have done nothing wrong. I'm not going to accept that. Well, if you listen to, I'll call, uh, less than adequate scholarship about the book of Job, they say, well, God never answered Job. That's completely wrong. God did answer Job. He answered with questions such as, basically, who's in control here? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? That lets you know God is on your side. Look at another Bible hero, David, for example. David went out and had Bathsheba's husband essentially murdered. He put him in the heat of battle. And what, and what did God say? Ultimately, God said, David is a man after my own heart. You can read David's work in the Psalms, his laments and petitions to the Lord to listen to him. And what did God say? He said, I respect this. This is what I want. In your period of distress, God is there. So what are we learning from this? We're learning that spiritual therapy is has been validated. It has been validated with the same process. Remember, we're talking about process. That means statistics that validate all other scientific research. There is a difference. And not only that, there is a giant hole in the success rate of psychological and medication therapy. Again, this is not to say avoid that therapy. My statement is, and Dr. Koenig's statement is, both need to be used. And you say, well, I don't believe in God or in spirituality. And all I can tell you is, unless you really have proof, that statistical proof that spiritual therapy doesn't work and you're not going to get that because there's evidence, you probably want to consider the fact that there just might be a God and he's able to help you. Now, let me repeat that. If there is evidence that spiritual therapy works better than secular therapy, you could use that in a perverse sense to give you 
proof that God is there and waiting to help you. What do you think about that, Dave? Like you said a minute ago, I think you've nailed it. You know, that it is there. And we all go through times, and depending on how spiritually oriented you are, uh, you reach out or you come back. Uh, if you're already there, you're reaching out and, and discussing it. If you have gone away from it, then you come back to it, if that makes sense. Well, Dave, that's absolutely what Koenig says. And that's what people are going to find when they talk, either uh, read Dr. Koenig's book or talk to their their, their minister or the chaplain, they're going to find out, basically, the chaplain is going to bring you back to the faith you had. It, the, the moral injuries that you suffered from PTSD events, we'll call them, or what you had to do in the military, are not anything that mankind has not been confronted with in the history of, of religion. The book of Job, most people don't know it, although Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Job, chronologically, for several hundred years, was the first book of the Bible. Now, there's a difference, obviously. They put it in a position, the Hebrews put it in a position in the Bible much further back, but it was, for all intents and purposes, chronologically, the first book of the Bible. And God wanted his people, our people, the people of the world to know there's going to be suffering and unexplained things happening that there is an answer for, but we don't get it on this side of living. Right, Dave? (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, we probably couldn't handle it if we got it. So, you know, there's. I accept that... uh, well, you've heard a rhyme and reason for everything. And, uh, we don't know why, you know, it, it how, let me ask, and we, I don't think we've ever discussed this in any length at all, but the, the veteran that has PTSD because he lived, it's almost like the reverse in that, uh, you know, he, why did I get through Vietnam and my best friend didn't? Or why didn't I get wounded while a bunch of my buddies did get wounded? And here I am in great shape. It's almost like a, a reverse reaching out, you know? Right. And these are moral issues. And you cannot make it through life. You can fake it through life. But you won't make it through life without a spiritual guide. You just won't. And, of course, we believe the Bible is correct, and we believe that that is what we choose, but we're not out to uh, force anyone into any belief. But if you don't have a spiritual belief, and you have PTSD, and definitely if you've had a moral injury. All PTSD does not involve moral injuries. We need to make sure that is known by your listeners. It's not involved in every case. 
And there are moral injuries without PTSD, too. But where they're combined, and if you thought, man, I'm just not getting anywhere with my therapy, you really need to kind of add another medication, just like the pneumonia example I gave. You need to think about adding something else to the mix. And I wanted to to say that if you're evaluating spirit, we'll call it spiritual therapy, spiritually integrated cognitive processing therapy, we use the big word. <laughs> you have to understand there's scientific evidence for it. So we say, well, you know, I take uh, Motrin or aspirin or Tylenol for my pain. Well, there's scientific evidence and there's studies. And they use studies to determine, as we said in statistics, is there a difference? And there is. So if you say, well, I'm not going to go the spiritual route uh, with my PTSD, you just basically said, I don't believe in science or the process of science. And this is a free country. But I certainly wouldn't recommend, and neither would Dr. Koenig, excluding the spiritual integration in your whatever PTSD therapy you're engaged in. I... I certainly agree with that, and I hope that the folks that are listening, and, you know, this is an important thing for any chaplain that has to be, happens to listen to the show, is that, you know, they happen to be in a very good position to help and explain, and, you know, not lecture there's a difference between explaining and lecturing and asking questions and uh you know i think this is where uh many of the chaplains could and preachers ministers could certainly improve in addressing ptsd and and understanding the moral and religious or spiritual aspects of it. You're, Dave, Dave, you're so right. You're just so right. The chaplains are, are basically given lip service. But from knowing what we know now, and again, I'm quoting Dr. Koenig, they certainly have a place in the healing process, a very important place. This is, this is critical. And... That you can, I think, Google Dr. Koenig, and he's got something at Duke, the spiritual Center for Spirituality, and every month it comes out. He's Donna, and this is a group of people. Uh, Donna, I'm going to have to pull your plug. <laughs> We've run out of time, I'm afraid. Yes, sir. So we'll be back next week with more of a veterans' place, and. Uh, Dr. Don Moeller. So, thanks, Don. I'm sorry that I I shorted you, but uh, no, we're no, out of time. We're, we're on the same team, Dave. Okay. Once again, once again, you came in with questions that were actually the next thing I had. It's uncanny, buddy. Okay. We'll hit them next week. All right. Thanks, Take care. Dave. Bye. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.